Hello and welcome to our continuing series of Green Elephant B Corp interviews. B Corporations, or B Corps for short, are businesses that meet the highest standards of verified social and environmental performance, public transparency and legal accountability to balance profit and purpose. Throughout this series we are chatting with key people in companies which have chosen to certify as B Corps and become a force for good. This week I've been joined by Nisha Sabroyan, I've said that right haven't I, from Scrumbles. Um, Scrumbles are on a mission to help our dogs and cats to have happier lives with good digestion, improved immune function and uh, pretty poops by providing good natural food. They've been a B certified B Corporation since January 2019 and are probably already preparing for their recertification. So we'll have a chat about that I expect. Anisha is one of the founders of Scrumbles and has a background of working in some of the biggest companies in the world. This has led to Anisha being serious about pet nutrition and determined to have fun along the way, which is lucky because you're on the Green Elephant Show. Welcome indeed, Anisha. Hi, Russell. Thank you for having me. Uh, a pleasure indeed. Well, uh, the elephant in the room um, question is, what is a pretty poo? Well, believe it or not, there's actually a Bristol stool chart of what a poo should look like. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> and um, when we were developing Scrumbles, we enlisted the help of all of our friends and family and their, their pets um, to send us poo selfies. So if you, if you went through my phone for a period of time, it was pretty gross. Um, and we had lots of pictures of very watery poos all the way to what I would say is a pretty poo, the nice formed, slightly moist, um, but pickupable. And that's what is a pretty poo. Okay. I mean, I, <laughs> that, that brings a, a new meaning to doing a Bristol, I suppose. Um, <laughs> so, so, so you've got your, your two pets and there's a picture on your website of Smudge and, and Boo, which are your, your dog and cat. So how did you and Jack come to conclude that their poos weren't um, smelling right? <laughs> well, um, you've got cats yourself, so you probably know that cats have very strong smelling poops, particularly when they're kittens and you're litter training. So you, know, you can't escape the smell. It takes over the whole house. We, we rescued Boo, um, who's our kitty, and we... Well, the stench was really the, the real telltale sign of bad poos, but obviously we also had to clean it from the litter box and it was very difficult to clean. So we knew that there was a problem and took Boo to the vet as quickly as possible. And we were prescribed what is known as the poo prescription, which is a probiotic paste. I don't know if you've ever had it yourself for your cats. Oh, no, no, not for the cats. No, no. Yeah. Uh <laughs> Um, and it's, you know, it's great. You basically pour some of the probiotic paste onto the food right. and immediately it helps with the digestive system. So okay. we had less smelling poos and you know, perfectly formed. So really easy to scoop out the litter box. But when we went back to feeding just the food without the probiotic paste, all of the problems kept coming back. And okay. we tried various different foods and couldn't find one that worked for her. So that was like, that was our light bulb moment of saying, 
we should make something that actually has that probiotic benefit so that you don't have to keep going back and forth to the vet yeah and so had you worked in in food before so to speak or yeah so my, my my career spanned pet food, human food, and health and beauty. My, my first job was actually with Procter & Gamble, where that's when Smudge joined my life. And it was me and Smudge uh, hitting the road, meeting with independent pet shops, talking about Eucanuba and Iams, both very big brands. Very big, um, yeah. And then I moved into the world of health and beauty um, at Unilever, P&G, and L'Oreal. And got very bored of talking about beauty products and realizing that there was lots of makeup that I didn't know how to use. So, um, you know, you can't, I like to eat food. So I wanted to move into the food world and I joined a wonderful startup called Bear Nibbles. I don't know if you know them, they make these. I, I saw, sorry, Bear Nibbles, but yeah, what were they? Yeah. So Presumably they, not they... nibbles for bears. No, no. Um, they make dried fruit yo-yos um, for kids. It's it's all about healthy snacking oh, for children. Yeah, yeah. And they're really tasty and actually loads of adults eat them as well. And I loved the fact that I was working for a business with a purpose behind it, but also right. a startup. It was very much a family feel. I'm still really good friends with the people that I worked with. And, you know, that that made me want to do something in food. But my issues with Boo just made it something, you know, food that I couldn't eat myself. I see. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it's, but it must have been a bit of a leap from human food to pet food was it or is it yeah it's i think the hardest thing about pet food is with human food you can taste it you can see it and people can get that reaction with pets it's the only food that they eat really they don't have as varied a diet as us humans because their digestive systems are very different so a cat's digestive tract is really short which is why it's really important that food is highly digestible for them so it's there's a real challenge of educating pet parents as to what they should be looking for in a food. And also, if you if you think about kids, if you were to offer me sugar and you know sweets and chocolates, I'm going to say yes to that and probably say no to the healthy salad. Um, so getting that same understanding to the pet parents that something that's healthy and nutritious might not be as appealing as something that's full of sugar and salt. Um, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a challenge. Yeah, I mean, I love the way you call them pet parents. I, my cat's more like pet slaves. Uh, we are um, <laughs> not not them. Um, uh, that's very interesting about the digestive tract. Obviously, it must be slightly different for uh, different type for the for the dogs. But how 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 do you how do you start to develop something for something that can't give you good feedback, apart from presumably producing a poo? Yeah, so um, the, the poo is the end result that we're looking for, and that that's why um, you know, we had that those selfies and continually compared them to the stool chart. Obviously, a cat or dog has to eat the food, so yes. you have to yeah. start with taste and um, you know, looking at nutritional requirements, what what cats and dogs actually need. On paper, we developed the recipes and then looked at how we could actually make the food, and started with our cat and doggy to see if they liked it and obviously that there are chief tasters so with their seal of approval we then moved on to friends um pets 
so to see if they liked them before expanding further again so so no human tested taste testing then we, we have had a few humans eat the food, yeah. So, you know, we do use human-grade ingredients. And I'll never forget at Crufts uh, a couple of years ago, we debuted our dental treats. And I was describing, you know, all the benefits to a customer. And I had one of the treats in my hand. And bear in mind at Crufts, there's lots of dogs. So I've been stroking dogs all day long and I've been sweating. And the lady just took it out of my hand and ate it. And um, I just to check that the ingredients it's a safe for her as well it was pretty gross but you know she was happy <laughs> yeah well yeah people do have a different levels of tolerance don't they <laughs> to to uh to it no you you use natural your website says you use natural ingredients what do you mean by natural ingredients because natural ingredients mm. it's yeah everything can be natural and it's very yeah. broad because obviously sugar and, and, and salt's also natural so we always yes. have to use the good naturals um a long time ago and it's still the case for for a lot of pet products that there's artificial additives in in products so that's what we what we mean when we say this is made with natural ingredients it's things that you would recognize in your own kitchen um, okay. chicken carrots um, everything that you can actually understand so again we say if you turn around the bag and you, you see something that you don't know what that is run a mile uh, or put that bag back down and find yeah. one where you do do you know the ingredients well yeah because I mean some of them are a bewildering list of stuff that you 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 never heard of uh, and without mentioning any any brand names we we have found obviously with kittens you try pretty well everything to see see what works and what they like the best we tried lots of different packs and some drove them kind of crazy nuts. <laughs> <laughs> what, yeah. what's that all about what are they i don't out? know if i'm allowed to use this no. phrase but we we, we always say that's cat crack, you know, those yeah. ones that like really turn them crazy. Um, and, you know, they're really addictive. So, you know, some people will see that and think, oh, my cat absolutely loves this. Loves I it. must yes. get this again. But it's quite terrifying when you do look at what's going in there that's causing them to go so crazy. Yeah. And so, I mean, so taking it to the extreme is or probably not the extreme well it is the extreme in today's world is the extreme of being able to read everything on the back of a packet and understand what all of it is is quite a step forward then yeah. that brings me on to the the meat question you told me that you are a, a, a vegetable based diet person yourself um and yet you are producing meat based products um is that is that a conflict Definitely. And it's, some, it's something that I, I think about a lot. And we have a lot of customers that message us to ask, you know, when are you going to create um, a vegetarian diet for our cats and doggies? And, and actually, there's a there's a festival, believe it or not, a cat festival um, that happens every summer which is run by a lady who is a, a vegan herself and all of the food at the festival is vegan. Um, and they, they have talks to encourage people um, to have a plant-based diet but they specifically have talks to say, but please do not feed a plant-based diet to your cat because of course cats are obligate carnivores. They can't yeah. synthesize um, all of their essential amino acids. They must get that from meat. So it's really important for them to have that meat in their diet. 
Yeah. So, I mean, so, but so that's just something we have to accept. Um, but obviously, meat we know um, is having, especially the massive consumption of meat that we now have in the world, is having a detrimental effect to our climate. Uh, yeah. Is, and we try to take um, conscious decisions about the meat that we use. So, yeah. um, people probably don't know this, but we're a Apollo pescatarian pet food company. Um, we, okay. we choose to use. <laughs> that's that's a phrase. Sorry, a polypescatarian um, okay. pet food company. So we use your lower emission meats, and we'll, we'll, we'll always avoid red meat and dairy. Yeah. Um, and there's certain kind of principles that we've set that we just won't use in our food, so that they do have a lower carbon footprint. We also use. We don't compete with the human food chain. We'll never create meat for pet food. We'll always use meat that's available that would otherwise go to landfill so there's a oh, lot right. of quality product that is on those bones that we'll use for our food so in that respect um from an environmental um sustainability aspect it's actually beneficial oh brilliant so uh, essentially you're, you're dealing with waste um <clears throat> and that that kind of brings us on to the circular economy aspect of um we how how do you how do you find enough waste to to be able to to turn this is is this waste is there a lot of it and it, you know you're you're just dipping into a very large mountain of food waste is that's what's happening terrifyingly so and i think that with the pandemic we've become more wasteful as people um so oh, something really? kind of yeah, I think I actually think we've been forced to as well. So um, a friend of mine is currently um, assessing the climate impact of the of the pandemic, because obviously fewer people took planes, but actually more of us started driving and more of us started using single use plastic. So the, the wonderful things that the supermarkets did with ridding all the plastic bags and Ocado does the recycling of the bags, all of that stopped disposable coffee cups started to reappear people wouldn't actually allow you to use your refillable cups so there's uh, been some real negative impacts from the pandemic and the same is true in food um, and actually beer I don't know if you're a beer drinker but the the pubs have had it very hard so all of that material you know they've had to throw a lot of that product away uh. yes yeah I mean it it was swings and roundabouts I mean it's, it is there's been a lot less driving, a lot less flying. I'll, I'll be interested to hear what their result is um, when, when they've done the assessment, because I'm sure there's a lot of people trying to work out um, what, what the heck's gone on. Because although we had dropped emissions, I think it was reported on average over 2020 by 7%. It's gone straight back up again um, during the winter, because, of course, everyone's at home and and. Uh, and things aren't as efficient at home perhaps as they might be in an office and so people yeah. aren't um aren't operating efficiently even though they're working from home not traveling but dogs and cats the, the, go on no i was just going to say on a positive side though i think with that people recognize some more problems and there's some real exciting innovation on the way uh so i think we you know and bulb i don't know if they featured on one of your previous podcasts or, not yet um that they're, they're a really cool b hawk and again yeah. you know, we use them so it's, it's, it's greener so energy and i think 
I've seen them advertising for them everywhere, which always means that they must be doing well. So I think that people are becoming more conscious. And, and maybe that is the case, but people have become more conscious. But in the research so far, you're suggesting that obviously the, the plastic use and other other systems which were previously in place to reduce plastic have been abandoned because it's just not feasible under the COVID controls. That's interesting. I hadn't, hadn't heard that one before. I mean, that kind of neatly brings me on There's a bunch of segues here into packaging. Um, you, you've obviously had to work hard on packaging uh, to, to match the ethical contents, I guess. What, has that been a struggle? Packaging is the bane of my life. And actually, I'm probably going to say something that you, you won't expect me to say, but I'm going to stick up for plastic because I I feel like plastic gets tarnished with a lot of hate and all types of plastics are grouped into one box and it, it's really unfair because there are so many forms of plastics the good the bad the downright ugly and yeah. I, I think that people don't quite understand that, that plastic is an important tool for sustainability and um, that that's often overlooked the amount of food waste it prevents keeping yes. food fresher for longer it's very cost effective, which from a social sustainability um, aspect makes food more affordable to more people. And it's a lot lighter than many alternatives like paper. So logistical efficiency, you know, better logistical efficiencies as well. So I think that we can work towards a circular economy where plastic plays a role and we can capitalize on all of that value. We actually um, work very closely with the University of Bath. So when we developed Scrumbles, we conducted a life cycle assessment on our products so that we could understand, you know, the, the full end-to-end supply chain, where, where was our impact and how big an impact was packaging versus other areas. Surprisingly, um, packaging actually is a really small impact within our full kind of portfolio. It, logistical efficiencies had a, a significantly higher environmental impact. Yes. So that's part yeah. of the reason why we set in place principles to manufacture locally and really reduce our food miles but when it came to packaging food obviously being a food product you've got to ensure that it's got those appropriate moisture barriers and can keep the content of the you know the food fresh Uh, we also wanted to understand the end of use so um, initially we looked at paper but it's it's not great for some of the reasons I've already mentioned like being heavier but also not having that moisture barrier. We looked at um, biodegradable materials and and I think that there's a bit of education needed for shoppers because that's not necessarily a green option. It's, you know, it ends up going to landfill where it cannot biodegrade. There is no oxygen in most landfill. Um, And actually, if any organic matter does biodegrade, it releases methane. So that's even worse than your non-biodegradable products. Um, so because of that, we the best option that was available was a mono PE plastic. Yes. So fully recyclable, has the appropriate moisture barrier and avoids landfill. It's not the perfect solution. And I think, you know, this is why packaging is the bane of my life, because there's never a perfect solution. But I, I know that suppliers are working really hard on innovation you know we we take care to use low vohc inks um ensure that all of the card and paper that we do use for sleeves is fsc certified and obviously that's fully recyclable um and if we use a compostable material where that's appropriate so with our dog treats you can have a lower moisture barrier so compostable materials becomes um 
applicable we ensure it's home compostable because industrially compostable materials again ends yeah. up going to land yeah yeah because you unless you've got your own bio di uh, digester at home <laughs> unlikely <laughs> yeah you, you're kind of doomed and uh, yeah we we found on a number of occasions speaking to uh, the B Corps during B Corp month, for example, which we did with 31 of those, there were two or three food borough broths um, yeah. who, who kind of was, as an example, who said, yeah, there's sometimes you just can't get away from it because plastic is actually really clever. Um, and with, there's no real alternatives to it on occasions, but how you use it as responsibility, responsibly as you have is the important bit. So, yeah, I don't think you're alone in your battle. That's for <laughs> sure. Um, the uh, what am I trying to say? <laughs> the, the next thing I want to talk about is oh yeah, that was it. Have, have you thought? Uh, are you considering going beyond the cat and dog arena? Is that your whole focus? Because obviously there are more pets than just cats and dogs. There are, and. Um... We do feed hedgehogs like we, we know that people use scrambles to feed hedgehogs and we, we actually wrote a blog on hedgehogs have had a really tough time and um, the they weather's have, not yeah. been great for them so you know, we, we do a lot of education about other animals um the reality is i have a cat and a doggy it's something i'm super passionate about because they're they're my babies and we've got a big job at hand so i'm never going to say never but right now um there's so much more that we need to do with cats and dogs okay so where did all this start you, you obviously we, we know um smelling poo and uh, um paste my biotic paste microbiotic what it was probiotic, um, yeah. probiotic paste that's the one um <laughs> for your cats that, that's where the the light bulb name came but why such the attachment to the sustainable circular economy aspect what drove what's driven that in your life are you? i'll be honest I, I going back 10 years ago i wouldn't say i was a very conscious consumer and it wasn't until my last year at university i had a very passionate lecturer who um taught us about climate change and he would spend most of his weekends campaigning or going on marches um, against you know to, to kind of drive awareness of the, the the problems our climate faces and that's when I started to recognize that there was more that I could be doing and it, you know that was a light bulb moment for oh wow I've got a really big impact and it's been a gradual journey and I'm definitely not perfect and I think that that is something no one should aim to be perfect because you'll very quickly become overwhelmed everything we do has an impact and um i don't know if you've seen the movie okja have you seen that film okja the, the kind of very large looks like Pigs. a kind of a dog yeah. Pig thing yeah. yeah yeah so great movie made me cry but um, the um, there's a character in that film who is exactly what i've described super perplexed with their environmental impact so he just doesn't eat anything and he's about to like faint from the fact that he's not eating for like over two days and because you know even an apple has a massive impact and he's like going through all of the different things there and i don't think we should ever go get to that level i think you know people need to just hope be hopeful of all the positive innovation that's happening just make those small changes and being better so you know i try to target one positive change a month um, in my own personal life just oh, to right. okay. 
see how I can do something different. So um, I've recently changed my deodorant. Um, I found a really nice independent business that's made in the UK. So um, and it's all packaged in really nice and um, recyclable packaging. Um, I've, I moved banks, so that was that was a new one for me. I hadn't previously thought about ethical banking, but a friend um, he went on a dog walk, and after David Attenborough's um, "Life on Our Planet" mission statement, we talked about what we would do, and she said, "Have you thought about who you bank with?" And I hadn't, so um, yeah, that was something that I started to look into and understand that actually, where you put your money really matters, and. So change to an ethical bank. Um, but, you know, I'm always trying to do different things, but definitely not perfect. Yeah, interesting. Uh, and of course, there are B Corp banks as well. Triodos? Triodos? Yes, so they're, they're a brilliant bank, Triodos and also Starling Bank. Starling um, they're the only two banks that have made a formal commitment against investing into fossil fuels and um from you know in, uh, like really bad things like arms and and things yeah. like that so that, that's who we bank with and it, it's an interesting point you you bring up where we put our money is is key um uh there was a, another interview we did with uh cap eq actually who said if there's one thing you could do is put your pension money into a system a pension pot that is sustainable so make sure your pension funds are being used for sustainable projects essentially and it's you know yeah it's because the pension fund trusts around the world are what run you know the majority of big investments so yes we've got to think where we put our money and so so you you've built up essentially from university i think it's not it's, it's not unfamiliar some people were kind of born into it or they're led into it by parents but you had a moment where you went, you know, I need to do something personally to work on this. And then of course you had your future light bulb moment based around poo, which yeah. is, you know, in two, two very interesting uh, transitions in your life. I like that. So what, why, why B Corp? Why did you strive to become a B Corp in 2018? Presumably you started your journey. Yeah. So, you know, I knew that I wanted to create or lead a purposeful business and I've worked yeah. at the bigger guys. So um, I worked at Unilever and P&G and at my time there, I noticed that making a change retrospectively was really difficult to achieve um, because there's so you're such a big company. There's so much bureaucracy. We actually, um, so myself and my co-founder worked at Unilever together and they drove a new sustainability initiative where people could volunteer to be sustainable champions for the business and we leapt at the chance to be a sustainable champion and, and all had to like come up with ideas for how we as individuals could reduce our impact yeah and we thought a really simple thing to do I don't know if you've been to the head office there but everywhere you turn there's a coffee tea point and they use disposable coffee cups yeah so we thought, well, there's 1,500 of us or so in the office. On average, we're drinking four or five cups of coffee. I won't lie, I was drinking like 10 teas a day at that point. So more than my fair share. And all of those cups were just going into the bin. So we were having a huge impact as, you know, as a, as a business. And we thought, well, why don't we just get rid of the coffee cups and, and have actual mugs so um, um you know Unilever said yeah great initiative Let, let's trial it and um, we got rid of all the coffee cups for two weeks gifted every employee with their own mug and it was like world war 
three hit and everybody was really upset because this simple change was such a big deal. Um, so we very quickly went back to the oh. coffee cups. Oh, no. And I've not been there for a number of years. You know, it may have changed. I hope so. But part of the reason I wanted to be a B Corp was to instill that governance right at the beginning so that we had the right framework and decision making to guide the business from day one so that we were taking the right path forwards and not having to work backwards. Yeah, yeah and we're, we've come across a number of uh, B Corps that have been formed with the end in mind or with that goal in mind. Obviously, you can't become a B Corp until you started done a year's worth of trading but you can become a pending um but that 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 instilling it from the beginning as you say makes it very difficult to change change is always the problem in every business whenever you go to do anything making a change is the problem so yes it's good to start from the beginning so can you put a finger on what you value about being a b corp because obviously it's, a, it's not the easiest certification Oh, it's it's a, a very long process and it's really difficult. Um, but I think exactly what you just said, change, it's it's being part of it. I value the fact that we can make real change. It's just so much more possible to drive change as a group of people. Um, and you know, we're influencing the retailers. So as part of B Corps, we, we speak to retailers like Ocado and we say, let's drive this mission statement forwards and really put it in front of shoppers so that they know, um, you know that there are better choices out there. And you know, the nature of business, the more trends, you know, the more the investors and big companies see where those consumer trends are, the more they kind of invest behind those initiatives. So collectively, we're able to get the world of business moving in a more sustainable manner brilliant yeah oh um that's that's great uh, insight into into pet foods as i said to you earlier um just before we came on to to the show recording i've, I've got i've got some of your products coming coming through now for for max and klaus so i'll give you <laughs> some feedback on that one um yeah and uh, if you uh, want them to be insta famous send us a picture okay <laughs> okay well uh, i'll probably take a photo of them post post gorging um that, that's always <laughs> quite funny as they lie on the they, sofa going, oh. off, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, i asked you um before we came on if you had a tip that you would share with everybody there's something to get people thinking and doing stuff yeah, and I think the biggest thing, you know, just based on the terrible year that we've had, there's loads of things you can do. But yeah. if I would whistle it down to one, um, I would say go local, support your independent local businesses because it's supporting our local economy. Um, it's reducing those food miles and you know, that's going to promote a greener future. And like I said a moment ago, sometimes it, it can feel like, there isn't a lot of hope that you can make a big difference, but those yeah. small changes uh, really do influence the future because the more you kind of rally behind those small sustainable companies, those larger companies and investors will look at that data and invest behind even more initiatives like that. And, I, and I'm always thinking it's actually small changes that got us here in the first place. You know, is it, we, we didn't instantly become a massive consumer of, of fast foods that was bled into us through clever promoting and slowly we ate more and more of them and and slowly we were convinced that you know getting a disposable cup and throwing it in the bin was the best way to have coffee when you were out for the day and 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 then we got 
told that for having your I don't know I saw a picture the other day of a coke can in a, a cellophane wrapped plastic tray uh, and of course bananas who are, have their own packagings built in wrapped in plastic and you kind of go you know it's only those small changes where we said we want the standard type of banana and we want you know more meat at low 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 prices as, as it's our fault doing lots yeah. of small changes so it can be our fault for improving it by doing lots more small changes but in the other direction exactly and you know going back to that cost perspective i know that's a real barrier for some people to to buy into mm. sustainable products because it does cost more it but does. the more people buy into those the better economies um you know, cost economies and those businesses and, and supply chains can have to make those products more affordable yeah yeah okay well that, that that's that's a brilliant recommendation support our local and I, and i think by local we can extend that to the uk um yes. you know beyond uk and of course we also want to wave the flag of course by b corp because that's a really good way of uh, uh of getting yourself and um, did we mention we didn't mention the bum tapping supermarkets did we <laughs> No, we didn't. No, so um, yeah, um, there's Pouchgate. Have you heard of Pouchgate? No, I haven't heard of Pou- Pouchgate. It sounds 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 ominous. Was Richard Nixon <laughs> involved? <laughs> you know, lots of people have spent a lot more time at home and decided to introduce a furry member to their family. Yes. So I think the last read I saw, there's been an introduction of six million new cats and doggies. And with all of those pets, they have to eat something, but it, it, we haven't been able to prepare for it in advance. And a lot of the products that do get imported over, um, there's been quite a bit of a delay. So if you go into your supermarkets, you might see in the pet food aisle, empty shelves everywhere. And it's particularly hit wet food pouches. Yes. So um, we've, we, we manufacture in the UK um, and our products that you know our supply chains in a healthy position so we've been able to help support Pouchgate and launch our wet cat food and dog food into Asda stores so that just went live last week brilliant um so you you don't have to you can use the store online I found it very uh, very pleasant experience so that was good um and uh, yeah so you can also go to your local Asda that's, that's that's great news getting into one of these these bigger chains is is a challenge isn't it it is um you know they deal with understandably fewer suppliers and those big suppliers like unilevers and pngs they make so many different products across all the categories so it makes sense that they they deal with them being a small business it's harder to kind of get that cut through but yeah. we're really yeah. fortunate that we could help and that they you know asked us to support them so um you know thank you asda <laughs> Yeah, and we, we spoke to Beauty Kitchen who are working with Asda and they've got a, a refill station in Leeds, which um, oh, is amazing. which I think is going to go rolling out as well. So hats off to Asda. I think they are really trying, as I think many of the supermarkets are, to be fair. Um, they just need to try harder. <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> try harder and be quicker. Come on. No, um, I know. And like, that, that was one of the things I said in terms of the climate change and pandemic. I think a lot of the initiatives that they signed up to, mm. so things like having recyclable materials, um, uh, they've just dropped down the priority list because there's been other things to focus on. And I'd, I'd like to see those go back up to the top. 
Yeah, I mean, when we went through this whole lockdown process, we became a, a country of wasters. I mean, the whole PPE plastic disaster that's happened out of the back of so many masks being dropped on the ground with, you know, ropes that can wrap around a bird's neck or whatever. Um, it's just really bad. Um, also asked for a recommendation from our interviewees or victims, as you might feel. Um, so what <laughs> recommendation do you have? Would you um, make people? Mine is the My Octopus Teacher, which is a beautiful documentary about the relationship a man has under the sea with an octopus. And I think it just shows you the, the greater world that we're all part of. Um, so if you haven't seen it, watch that. Yeah, and uh, I haven't watched it. Um, we've had it recommended oh, once before. Oh, you will cry. Will, will I? I? I am a softie, to be fair. Um, there's also, a, I think, a book called The Soul of an Octopus, which... Oh, I've not heard of that. Um, I, th I, th I might have got the title wrong because that was a bit on the hook. <laughs> um, but that was recommended by one of our B Corps as well. So th this aspect of getting aware of what animals are might change your perspective on eating them <laughs> it, it and how you treat them it did. was after watching Okja that um you know that was the start of my plant plate plant-based journey and i immediately said can't do it but um, do it. and i don't know again peter did a really funny youtube video of somebody going into the supermarkets after watching Okja and just grabbing all the meat and be like no but that was really funny <laughs> okay oh, i'm gonna have to watch i need to sit down and watch these movies so i'll do that on your recommendation and previously you mentioned david attenborough's mission statement which i think we can't help but recommend multiple times because you've got to watch it because it's horrific <laughs> it is, it's terrible and, and amazing to see the journey he's had and the changes that have happened in the environment in that time yeah yeah so that just leads us to one final dreaded moment where I start asking you some fact or fakes. And funnily enough, they're about cat and dog food. If I get these wrong, that's awful. <laughs> so I'll give you a statement. You tell me whether you think it's fact or fake. So because dog and cat food tends to have more meat than the average human diet, this means that American dogs and cats just to limit your your view a little bit consume about 25 percent of the total calories derived from animals in the united states is that a fact or a fake so in america dogs and cats consume about 25 percent of the total calories derived from animals in the united states i'm going to say that's a fact and you'd be right. Yay! Well done. Okay, it was a nineteen. Great poker face there. Uh, well, you know, we I am a practiced at this now, and my intention is to win. But I'm now one down, nil down. Um, yeah, that was a nine twenty seventeen um, study, so a little old. And it'd be interesting again. What's the impact of twenty twenty done to to that stat? Um, hopefully, we'll get something out. A more recent one though. In 2019 in the UK, they found that 50% of adults own a pet, with 10.9 million people owning a cat. 
up from 6 million in 1981. Is that a fact or a fake? A fact. Oh, you're good. You're good. <laughs> um, I mean, obviously, it's going to be an increase in 2020 again, but I did also read same article abandonment is going up which is you know horrendous that people get the you know it's back to the um pet isn't just for christmas it's for life yeah, it's, uh, we, we know pet is not pet is not just for covid lockdown <laughs> yeah and and different breeds you know suit different lifestyles and um, i'm a big dog lover but i have a a small doggy because that suits my lifestyle and i think a lot of people will choose to adopt or or buy a pet that they like the look of and you know, they have very different personalities and needs so you should definitely check that that suits your lifestyle and that you you'd be a good mum or dad to them first and that you can you know you you're thinking long term this isn't a short term event yeah. they they pandemic will be over thankfully it so, will be and then you'll yeah. want to go on holiday and then you'll be kennels and catteries and okay so um final one then you've already won so this is, <laughs> yeah, this is all this can be to me is a consolation so 20.8 million dogs and cats in the uk again consuming just one tin or unrecyclable plastic package of cat food or dog food per day results in 7.6 billion containers being manufactured in each year. Well, Again. that was a very long one, so I'm obviously going to get this wrong. <laughs> oh, I've, I've, had to, I've had to step it up. <laughs> can't so even I'll, catch up with that question i'll repeat um, it i'll repeat it <laughs> yeah. and and the and the figures match i'll just tell you this 20.8 i haven't fit, changed one and not the other you know so 20.8 million cats and dogs in the uk consuming one tin or recyclable unrecyclable plastic package adds 7.6 billion containers into production that's what's required is that a fact or is that a fake i'm going to go with fake but i feel like i'm going to get this wrong so why did you go for fake the, i was trying to work the maths out in my head and I, I didn't think that i could get there <laughs> well um you know you'd already <clears throat> thrown a quote in that there are six million additional cats so um 20.8 million dogs and cats is what is suggested is in the country at the moment and they yeah. are producing 7.6 billion containers a year i um, just wanted to give you one to win because i thought that was very nice gracious <laughs> so what, that was a that was a pity a pity that was oh, for you. yeah dreadful. <laughs> okay i mean i fair enough i, I there was an add-on fact to this as well. Another 3.6 billion plastic bags for picking up the estimated 1.2 million tons of dog poo. Um, so I had to end on poo as well. But I, I think the important to say is, although those stats say, you know, obviously pets have their own impact. They have their own carbon footprint. And we need to consider that as well when we, when we take yeah. them on, is we are contributing to that. But we do also need to weigh that up against there is significant mental health benefits 
from a- and physical benefits so um, it's it's one of the blogs i'm writing at the moment which is weighing up the impacts of our pets because you know the honest answer is the best thing for the planet would be for none of us to exist because we all have our environmental impact <laughs> yes. but um, i don't i don't think we're gonna thanos everybody and go that way so <laughs> yay marvel <laughs> reference <laughs> you you win the prize of the week <laughs> if only you'd known there was a prize for the secret oh. <laughs> i hope it's the glove but um, yeah, we just need the infinity stones there's a whole stack of people watching this now i haven't got a clue what we're talking about i love but, that yeah, no, one of the things i was touching i'm going to touch on in the blog is as well as those mental health benefits and you know that they're huge there's also lots of physical health benefits and um, I think there's a study that um, I won't re recall the stats incorrectly. It will be in my blog, but it Good shows plan. how people that have a dog have um, a much healthier life and lower levels of heart disease and all sorts of different things. So, you know, our pets do a lot for us. And I think it's good that we reward them um, with and you know, in a conscious way, because there, there are things to do to minimize their impact. Yeah. And I, I you're right and, and your foods are one of them um to be fair uh so uh, again i'll i'll look forward to, my, my cats are going to be looking forward to this i'm going to pop upstairs and tell them in a second uh, you you're very privileged to have your dog next to you if i had the cats here they'd be climbing over the microphone so that's not going to happen um so with my crushing defeat and the pity one point that i got out of you um i just thank you very much for joining us on uh the green elephant show oh thank you it's been delightful we really hope that you found this insight into another b corp both informative and entertaining so make sure you don't miss any of our chats with b corporations by subscribing to either our podcast available on all good providers, or the Green Elephant YouTube channel. And please don't forget to spread the word with others. If you have any questions about being or becoming a B Corp, or any comments and suggestions about the show, please do get in touch. You can email studio at greenelephant.show, or visit our website, greenelephant.show, or find us on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, or Twitter by searching for at Green Elipod, or the Green Elephant Show. You can also review the show on Google and Apple Podcasts. Join us next time, and we hope you have a sustainable and socially responsible week.